You are listening to Healing Arts with Dr. Shelley Care. Visit me online at www.pastlifelady.com. Connect with me on YouTube at Past Life Lady or on my Facebook fan page at Past Life Lady. The Healing Arts Program is not intended as a substitute for consultation with a licensed medical or mental health professional. The listener should regularly consult a physician or mental health professional in matters relating to his or her health, and particularly with respect to any symptoms that may require diagnosis or medical attention. This program provides content related to educational, medical, and psychological topics. As such, listening to the program implies your acceptance of this disclaimer. Hi there, it's Shelly Care. How are you doing? So I hope you're having a fantastic week. So I wanted to tell you, I am having a free video event and you're invited. So I'll have the links below. It's coming up on Saturday, February 19th, and it's called Discover the Transformative Power of Genealogical Regression. And so we're going to talk about the actual scientific evidence that shows that working with our ancestors and sending them healing light is important. We'll talk about past life regression. We will talk about my genealogical regression process. And I am going to take you on a, an amazing guided journey where you're going to be able to come face to face with some of your ancestors and send them love and light. So I hope you can join me. And if you can't be there for the actual event, go ahead and register anyway, because when the event's over, you will receive an email so that you can watch the replay. All right, so I can't wait to see you, and I will see you soon. Bye-bye. Welcome to Healing Arts. I'm your host, Dr. Shelley Kerr. Hey, my dear friends, welcome to another episode of Healing Arts. So I am so thrilled today to have Dimitri Moretis here. Um, a beautiful, beautiful new book that I have one of the very first copies ever. It's called Heaven and Your Spiritual Evolution, A Mystic's Guide to the Afterlife and Reaching Your Highest Potential by Dimitri Moretis and Barbara Y. Martin. I'm going to read their bios because I want you to hear some amazing things. Dimitri Moretis is the co-founder and co-spiritual director of the Spiritual Arts Institute in the fabulous Encinitas, California. You can visit their website at spiritualarts.org. He's an illuminated metaphysical teacher, healer, and he's co-author of numerous books with Barbara Martin, who has been called one of the greatest metaphysical teachers of our time. She's been, she was born with the gift of seeing the aura in all of its subtleties. And she's been called the Mozart of metaphysics. She's been actually endorsed by Dr. Norm Sheely and the phenomenal late great Dr. Richard Gerber who wrote one of my all time favorite books, Vibrational Medicine, which is one of the great books. Um, Dimitri, it's a complete honor and a joy to have you on the show. 
I want to say before we get into this, I love this book and it's one of my favorites. Um, it's got such a high vibrational frequency. I leave it very close by and I look at it in the evening. And many years ago, I'd heard, you know, you can do something like where you use any spiritual book. Some people would say the Bible, like just opening it to a random page, finding some wisdom. And so I've been using your book in that way. There's so much wisdom here and I absolutely love it. And I welcome you to Healing Arts. Well, well, thank you so much for having me on your show, Shelley. And I, I really like that you mentioned people like Dr. Gerber, because we really liked him. And I, I'm so sorry he's not around right now, but uh, what a maverick in the healing arts he was. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, um, this is, um, and I really appreciate doing the bios, especially for Barbara, because really this is a lot book is a celebration of her, um, because it, it's, it's uh, you know, the book is based on actual experiences. So um, this is not like just something that was read or studied somewhere else. Although we do a lot of research in the book on, you know, historical understanding of heaven and how that all works. So, um, and it, what we tell people is our first book that we wrote, Change Your Change Your Life, tells the world what we do. We meditate with light, that we're a meditation organization. But this book, Heaven, Your Spiritual Evolution, tells you what, who we are. We're a spiritual growth. It's all about growing spiritually. Uh, one of the titles, we, it ended up being the first uh, the title of the first chapter, but we were thinking of calling it the book that was, you don't go to heaven, you grow to heaven. Yes, I love that. Yeah, yeah, it was. And the idea of that was, you know, we, we think of the other side, okay, we, we're going to go there someday. But we, okay, if I've been a good boy, I get to go to a good place. If I haven't been a good boy, you know, I'll go somewhere else. Um, it's not really reward and punishment there. It's sort of like attracting like you are. First of all, there is a hereafter and it really isn't the hereafter. It's part of here. You know, we, the other thing we really want to emphasize in the book is, you know, the other side isn't just for when you die. Um, you're receiving inspiration from there every day of your life. So the more you get connected to the spiritual worlds now, the more you'll benefit now, as well as when it's our, our time to go home. And what we really uh, want to encourage a lot of people is that, you know, today, as Barbara would say, there's never been a better time to grow spiritually than today. There are more people waking up all over the world to spiritual truths. It wasn't that long ago, if you and I were going to have this kind of a discussion, we'd be in a mystery school or an ashram. It would not be discussed openly, and it would not be broadcasted. <laughs> you know, that, that's a more recent phenomena and the reason that's happening is because so many people are ready for this you know one of the most pleasant surprises of this is just people want to hear the deeper and you know the deeper stuff you know they want to go there uh one of the greatest books metaphysics of all time the the secret doctrine the blavatsky book was trying to answer how was the universe created and where do we come from you know two simple answers that was like an encyclopedia answer so there's a lot to the wor spiritual worlds. There's a lot to learn. Um, as you saw in the book, the hereafter isn't one place. It's many places. As the Bible says, in my father's house are many mansions. There are many dimensions there. And we're sort of vibrating to one of those dimensions right now. And that's kind of giving us a little barometer where we are in our own growth, our own spiritual evolution. 
Yeah, I love the idea of growing to heaven. I mean, that's that's exactly what we should be thinking of it as. It's not a destination, it's a journey. Exactly, yeah. It is. A, I mean, it is an actual place. You will actually experience it, but it's also exactly, as you said, it's a journey. And every step, as a matter of fact, you know, one of the things often people don't, you know, if I ask somebody, well, what does it mean to grow spiritually? And if I ask 20 people that question that we're in spiritual studies, I'd probably get 20 different answers. But if I ask people, well, what's the difference between a child and an adult? I'd get pretty much the same answer as far as how you grow from one stage to the other. And growth is the same way. We are evolving, we are maturing. And in, in metaphysics, spiritual growth is the journey through the various dimensions of life. And you're not just doing it on the other side, you're doing it here. You know, we talk about here, you want to leave the earth better than the way you found it. Well, you also want to leave the earth at a higher level of consciousness than when you started. And that's the sign that you were, you did grow. You, you came to this earth schoolhouse and you learned some lessons and you benefited by it and you earned more light. And that's really what it's all about, you know. And it's interesting, some people think, well, then do I only grow if I'm in metaphysics? No, every single person is growing on earth. I mean, some are like in school, not paying attention to the lessons, <laughs> but, but we all have the same opportunities in our own way. The difference is, though, if you are aware that there's a journey, then that means engage even more. That means that's a calling a little bit. I don't mean leaving your job calling kind of a thing, but make this a bigger part of your life. If, right. if we get one thing from the whole book, it's make spiritual growth a higher priority in your life. You know, this is a very important time. Uh, what Barbara used to love to quote that line from the Rudyard Kipling poem. If you can meet, um, if, if you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, yours is the earth and everything that's in it. So we really want to make the best use of our time here. Absolutely. You spend a lot of time in the book talking about different dimensions of reality. And that's another thing that a few years ago, people would have been like, what? You know, and now I think we're more open to that. Can you talk about some of these different dimensions that we can yeah, encounter yeah. along the path? Well, I think the first thing we have to maybe to, to go to the very basic, again, talking spiritually now is what metaphysics would say is that this physical world we live in was born of the spiritual world. Everything comes from the inner outer. Now we know that when we're wanting to make something, if we're thinking, gosh, I wanna build this computer, I have to mentally conceive it long before anything is physical, but that's happening for the whole universe. So if we realize that this earth, this universe, physical universe is a created universe, it was born out of an inner spiritual impulse, that gives us an idea the spirit is like the child and the physical is, I mean, is like the parent and the physical is like the, the child in a way. Now, here in physical life, it's a bit of a melting pot in consciousness. You could have, you know, a Mahatma Gandhi, very high level consciousness, physically standing next to a, a Joseph Stalin or an Adolf Hitler. You know, they could be physically in the same room even though they are operating at vastly different frequencies. But on the other side, it's, it's organized according to levels of consciousness. So you may go to a dimension that is very 
well, you will go to a dimension that's similar to your vibration. So in other words, right now, whatever vibration I'm at right now, if this was today my day for going home, I would take the energy I've earned now, not yesterday, not tomorrow, but now, and that would be taking me to the level on the other side. So let's say I've got 50,000 watts of power. I'm not going to go to a place that needs 100,000 or 20,000. I'll go to the place that has 50. And these, these realms are real. As a matter of fact, they call this physical world the dream world. You know, the ECNs use the word Maya, the world of illusion, right? So the, the inner worlds is seen as the real world, and this is more the dream world. And if we think that we all came from that world and we're all going back to it, then that means even though we have not, we don't have memory of it, maybe this moment, we're more familiar with the inner worlds than we are with this world. It's that's really our home. So whatever dimension you're on is beautiful. And you mentioned the spiritual levels. The thing to remember is to get to heaven, if you grow to heaven, that means there has to be dimensions of life between physical and heaven to get you there. And there are many dimensions between here and there. For example, the dimensions that we're probably actually most engaged in, just in kind of course of life, is what we would call the astral roles. Those are the literal hereafter. You cross over now, you're going to go to the astral worlds. And there are places in the astral worlds that look so, shall we call it familiar? There are people who die and they cross over. And they don't think they've died because, oh, I'm talking to you. You're talking to me. I'd say, I'm not dead. You know. Then when they realize they're not where they think they are, uh, then sometimes they freak out because, again, some people are, can't conceive of a life beyond the physical veil. So it's important to study this on multiple levels. It helps you now and it helps you when it is your time to cross over. Yeah. Yes, there's just a lot to it. I wanted to ask this because I, I'm so curious. Before we got on the air, you were talking about the fact that you and Barbara have co-authored many, many books. And I was just wondering if you could speak yeah. to how did you, the two of you meet and this partnership? Oh, that, and I want you to tell story. me all about your school. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, um, I do have to backtrack to Barbara like you started to because she is one of a kind. Uh, yeah. yeah, around three years old, she like, she started seeing auras and we're talking depression era time here, you know, these things were not discussed, you know, and um, she said, I didn't know what all the different colors meant, but I did uh, understand that, you know, I was attracted to somebody who had attractive colors, pretty colors, and some had not so good, and I was kind of repelled to them. I think it was around eight or nine, she started having some very simple experiences of being on the other side, simple meaning, you know, sort of familiar places, very pleasant. She said, I, I knew I wasn't dreaming. I also know I wasn't dying. I was not afraid. I just knew I was somewhere else. And so even as a child, she understood, you know, this is not the only world there is. Then at 11 years old, um, she met a hermetic scientist, but the woman was actually, her day job was, uh, uh, she was like a, she ran a theater stock company and Barbara was in the acting troupe. And she called her to the house one day and said, uh, you can see the aura, can't you? And Barbara's jaw dropped. She said, is that what it's called? And this is an 11-year-old kid, right? So Dorothy said, I can see the aura too. My mother and grandmother are both hermetic scientists. And I want to teach you about your talent. And she started to teach her to interpret and understand what the 
colors meant and some of her visions that she was having. And then as she moved, they moved to California, Barbara's father was a Greek Orthodox priest, and um, uh, he also built churches. So when they went to build the church in Pasadena, California, they all moved out. The mother said, you go wherever else you have to, but we're staying in California. <laughs> we like it here, <laughs> you know? And it was during the golden age of Hollywood and Barbara was starting to build a career in entertainment. And she got the inspiration, that's not your destiny, you're meant to teach. So metaphysics. So she met another woman that was also very developed and um, prepared her to be a metaphysical teacher. So I, I share, you know, she got her first trained 11, but it was almost 40 before she was really teaching. Uh, and then, you know, well, when we met, so I came to LA to California to pursue film and television. And um, I was having, again, I was not interested. I didn't know metaphysics. I wouldn't say I wasn't interested in it. I didn't really know what it was. So, but I was having these experiences, which I used to call my inspirational moments. There were these moments of very heightened kind of like visionary insight, let's put it that way. And I, I thought I was just being creative. And then it kept getting stronger to the point that, you know, something just fundamentally changed. I called it a my soul in the road to Damascus moment, but I still didn't have a name for it yet. And then when I realized it was metaphysics, I couldn't get enough of it. I was trying to gobble up everything I could. Fortunately, LA, you know, there was the Philosophical Research Society or other, there was a lot of places I could start to kind of gather information from, but I was careful about joining a group. And then about a year later, I was invited to a dinner party and Barbara was there and she was leading a meditation. It was the first time I meditated and it was like literally an old ancient door just opened up. And then we had this conversation I guess I started pouring out just stuff because I had so much on my mind. I thought it was a nice conversation. She says I was interrogating her, but basically <laughs> I, <love it. laughs> I was uh, you know, realizing the woman is talking from experience. And when she started talking about the heaven worlds and because I was asking about the other side, it was one of those questions. And she was answering again from her own knowledge in this very humble way. I said, she's the one I got to study with. So it started right away. We found out, though, early on, we both loved to write. So we started writing early. But after a while, you know, all her teachings were kind of, we were, they were more inspirational. She, she would prepare something, but there were no books, there were no manuals, none of the stuff that we have now. Now, the good side of that is it forced you to learn things, because if you didn't have it, you couldn't go to the book and say, oh, here's where it is. So you really had to learn it. Um, but I, at one point I said, you know, we got to organize all of this. We got to organize these teachings because we, you know, she was on this mission. So we started um, a partnership, the Center for Metaphysical Studies, and I didn't realize I was paving the way for my own career. I still thought I was going to help her, basically from the writing and maybe the business side. But she was grooming me to teach. So um, the first book was the Change Your Change Your Life. And then we were getting these donations. I mean, we weren't a nonprofit at that moment, but people were just giving us money, you know, for the, for the cause. And uh, we said, you know, maybe we should go nonprofit. Maybe this is the direction. And then we did that. And that coincided with the ability to do virtual work. And then things just started taking off. Yeah. And then the opportunity to come down here to open the center because we really needed a physical home. We, we do a blended learning. You know, I know the 
the pandemic things made things a little different right now, but normally we have in-person and online at the same time. We have these like conference room, high quality video equipment. And that way you can, if you're local in Sanitas or the San Diego area, you can join there or you can join from anywhere around the world. Because the, the, what I also share about metaphysics is, you know, it's great to do a workshop. It's great to do a weekend thing, but you got to think of this more like learning a language or learning a musical instrument. You're not going to get good at it overnight. You're going to have to stay with it for a while. And it's a cumulative thing. For example, we encourage everyone to meditate daily, daily, daily. You know, they've shown scientific studies now that if you meditate a half hour every day for three months, there will be a discernible change in the brain. It, it actually changes the neural pathways in addition to all. Meditation is the backbone of everything we do because that's what connects you to these inner worlds. That's what makes okay. you, because you that you are part of them. You are a spiritual being. You're not a, you know, Talia de Chardin said it beautifully. We're not physical beings having a spiritual experience. We're spiritual beings having a physical experience and we got to get that straight <laughs> absolutely yeah meditation is really um changed my life and it's something i also do every day yeah can you speak to that um to people i've tried yeah. to talk to people about i think some people feel like meditation that sounds really you know like this is going to take a long time or this is going to be difficult how do you address that to help people get started on this life-changing yeah. Well, Process. first of all, you know, like anything in life, if you want to have a good relationship with somebody, what do you have to do? You have to spend time with them. You're not going to have a great relationship. You say hi, bye, hi, bye, you know, like that, right? Talk about families now. The kids, oh, I got to get a soccer practice. That, that's not quality time, right? That's managerial time. You need right. time quality. So if you're trying to build a rapport with a divine, you need quality time with the divine. So think of meditation as your one-on-one -on -one time with the divine. You are essentially stepping back from the activities of life and stepping in to make a communion with the divine and your own inner nature. And that empowers you so that when you do go out into life, active life, you're, you're more prepared. So now meditation could be, a, you know, 20 minutes a day is a great time to, to start with that. And when you're doing it, it's funny, Barbara told a funny story. She had a friend that was a sheriff and Barbara taught her how to meditate. And the sheriff called, the woman called and she said, you know what, your meditations, they don't work. What do you mean they don't work? Ah, it's not, it's no good. And so I don't believe you. So Barbara went over there and she said, show me how you meditate. And she sat down, three minutes later, she was getting up to put some on the stove. She sat back down again. Then she got up to answer the, get the mail. She wasn't meditating. You know, she was just, there was no space. So if you give that time and you say, this is my one-on-one -on -one time with the divine and don't make it the last thing in the day, make it the centerpiece of your day. You know what they say with tithing, when you do tithing, it's supposed to be from the first fruits of your income, not after you've paid all the other bills. Do that first, put the divine first and you'll be amazed at how much of your life just starts to just fall into place. You know, if I, I miss a meditation, I mean, I meditate a lot now, but if I miss a day or things are busy, I feel it. I feel like, oh, a little something was missing there. So it's not asking a lot 
for the absolutely enormous amount of benefits that it gives you. I totally, totally agree. And it's getting back to your point about the point of the book, which is just taking time to consciously become more aware of putting spirituality more at the forefront of our chaotic and hectic lives that we're having out here <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> well, it can feel like that, right? But the beauty is, and this is a little bit like the idea of coming back to the Tao, is right. when you're centered, it really doesn't matter what's going on out there. Because yeah, there's always going to be things happening. That's 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 the nature of life. But you don't want that chaos to be inside of you. Right. So you want to find that calm sense. You want to be like that eye in the middle of the storm. If there is a storm, it doesn't mean all the time there has to be a storm. But that meditation will help you find that center. So I love another thing Barbara used to say is, you know, do you want to be the victim or the master of your life? If you are constantly saying problem, 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 you're, you're playing the role of the victim. Is that really going to create what you want in your life? And also remember, your, your measure of your spiritual growth is not what's happening in your life. It's how you're handling what's happening. How well are you dealing with life in its opportunities and its challenges? And the way, if you capture those opportunities, if you face those challenges, even if the outcome isn't always exactly the way you wanted it, you've done your part, you're growing. You know, we, we tell people, going back to the book now, you know, the passport to the other side is the light you earn. You go to the other side, depending upon how much spiritual power you have built up. And you build up power in two ways. Through every good word, thought, act, and deed, every good thing you're doing, whether you're getting that gold star or not, is earning light. It's building up. So keep doing it for the sake of doing it, not to get patted on the back. And meditation with divine light and application. So you can call on some of these great powers. For example, let's say I'm lacking in confidence. I can call on the energy of confidence, which comes in as a gold light. But then I still have to go out there and be confident. <laughs> if right. I've been scared to go ask for that raise or whatever, I have to go there and do it. And I'll notice, oh, wow, that was not so scary after all. Why did I, I made it out to be so big in my head? And it really wasn't. And then all that accumulates. And that's what's helping you to grow spiritually. It's a great point what you're saying about we all do that. We talk to ourselves about things that haven't even happened, yeah. that aren't yeah. going to happen. And, um, you know, then you just take that first step and you realize, wait a minute, things are wonderful. And also the other thing I think people have a challenge with that you touch on in, in ways in this book is this idea of whether or not we're attached to these outcomes, whether we can just allow the divine to come in because God can present things to us that's far better and bigger than what we could have ever imagined. Right, right. No, you always have to leave room for inspiration. If you fixate it, certainly you want to have your eye on a goal. But in getting there, yeah, you're right, there may be changes and unexpected things that happen. And you have to be you have to be accommodating, you have to be flexible. Because you don't know when we cannot command inspiration. But we can set up a, an environment in our consciousness, so that when inspiration comes, we're ready for it. And we get blessed every day. I mean, it may not be the, you know, the E equals MC squared miracle of life, but we are blessed every day. So if you are not feeling inspired in your life, it doesn't mean the inspiration is not there. It just means you need to do a, make a more stronger effort to connect with it. 
Yeah, absolutely. You talk about the power of the imagination as well, which is something I talk to people about. It's so important to be open to that imagination. Can you speak to that a little bit? Well, you kind of said it yourself. You know, we talk about this in career, especially that sometimes people, you know, they, they wonder, why am I not where I want to be in my career? And they haven't even allowed themselves to imagine the possibilities. They've, they've shot themselves down before even imagining. Oh, that's too expensive. Oh, that'll take too long. Oh, I can't do that. You haven't even imagined it, let alone done it. So we got to have a little courage, a, a sense of hope, uh, and a sense of, well, life is an adventure. I, I, I got to be willing to take some bolder steps here, be willing to take risks. It's okay to make mistakes too. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, just don't make the same mistake over and over and over again. You know, but you learn sometimes more from your mistakes than you do from your, uh, your successes, you know. Yeah. That's exactly right. You have a great chapter in the book about the fact that this road to heaven is not a straight one. It's curvy. Sometimes <laughs> we fall off the path. So, and you had a really great quote from Alice in Wonderland about the fact that, you know, something's going to show up. So what is it? And that we need to get back on that path. So can you speak yeah, to you, what are we supposed know, to do if we're doing the best we can? And then yeah. we backtrack. How can we get back on track? If you don't know where you're going, anyone can take you there, right? Yes, that's the one. Yes, I love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yes, what we say is our, our, our evolution, our growth, through the spiritual. Now, I must make a comment here. One of the big, I don't say challenges, but opportunities that we had to deal with is when you're talking about the other side and growth, so many pieces of metaphysics have to come into the picture. It's not just one. So you have to understand, oh, there is another side. It has many dimensions and it's people. You have to understand that there's help from the other side, what we call angels and archangels. You have to understand that you have this auric field, this power station within you that's fueling this whole evolutionary process. And you need to understand that no matter how good a job you do, it's not the journey of a single lifetime, that there is this process of reincarnation. Uh, we have to think of reincarnation like grades in school. You could score A++++ in first grade, but it doesn't mean you're ready for graduate school. You still have to go through the various stages. And if heaven is like graduate school, then we have to graduate to it. And it's going to take a little while to get there. Now, what happens is we have incarnations where we do absolutely wonderful things. And we gain a lot of ground and we learn and every, we do everything right. We have other lifetimes where we botch it up. And yeah, at that point, we can sort of lose ground. But then we're given another lifetime to get back on track. So the joke we like to make is it's not a straight line upward. It's kind of like the stock market graph, a little bit up and down. But the trend is upward. And finally, at some point, the soul says, enough of this already. I'm putting my hands to the plow and I'm not letting go till I have hit the brass ring, you know, till I've gotten there. So, yes, that's why if you have the calling, I'm sure most people listening to the show have had their awakening, had something inside of them saying, there is a higher life to call on. That's not accidental. That's, that's the divine knocking on your door and pursue it. This is your lifetime, not to make just an incremental jump, but a jump in your evolution. This is a, one of those lifetimes. So you're 
it's 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 the calling to do it just like you get a calling to do a career or a calling to marry somebody if you're getting a calling to the spiritual life you're supposed to answer the call absolutely so what message would you leave with seekers as they're attempting to bring more heaven into their worldly experience well the first one in the book is again keep at it you know whatever you're doing and think of your spiritual life as everything encompassed in it not just oh i have my job career my family and i have my spiritual life over here it's all part of the same picture so don't separate see it all everything in your life is potentially a spiritual opportunity and if you see it that way the big things and the little take on a more significant understand that you are significant you have this immortal spark of life that we call the soul and that soul is precious so treat it like it's precious take care of yourself honor yourself and honor everyone else has the same spark in them so honor that and make this life the, the spiritual work a higher priority you know barbara had an interesting experience she would have taught for so many years um, one time there was a woman in the classes, she, she passed on, and Barbara saw her on the other side. And the woman came to her and said, I want to thank you for all the lessons. They're so beautiful. I, you know, I have to say here, it's so much clearer, and you kind of understand better. My only regret is I didn't do more. It's so easy to let the distractions, the diversions capture all your time. And boy, there are a lot of things trying to grab your time right now yeah. um, you got to make room for the things that are essential and if you don't get to everything else if you don't taste every wine if you don't visit every country in the world that's okay you don't have to but you got to get done what you're meant to and this leads to one other thing to share too what we teach in our classes is that all not if if we came to this earth to grow and like school, well, it means, it means you're meant to hit a benchmark. You know, there's a spiritual benchmark that you're meant to hit in this life. And that benchmark we call your spiritual potential. So it's not just idly walking on a path and like a circle or whatever kind of comes to your mind. You're trying to go somewhere. You're trying to reach a certain peak in your own development, which is why you want to engage all of you because it's going to you know this is perhaps even a lifelong pursuit to attain but it will bring you to that beautiful place and i always say reaching your potential is a triple blessing because it blesses this life it gives it there's nothing more satisfying it blesses the life to come and it sets up the conditions for a future life also on a more blessed level so you there's no downside to this other than just the time it takes to pursue it yeah, that idea that we're setting ourselves up for the future, that's a very um, Buddhist philosophy as well, that we <laughs> oh, should be preparing yeah. for the afterlife and yeah. the future lives and yeah. things like that. And the, I wanted to ask also about the influence of the theosophical Madame Blavatsky work there in your life, in your teachings, and in Barbara's. How has that work um, been an influence on you? Because I, I really like that part of your book as well just just the yeah. feeling of it well you know i think what you're what you're picking up on is that you know blavatsky was a real mystic you know she was the real deal um quite a colorful woman <laughs> at a very colorful time 
And maybe, you know, she may have made some mistakes here and there herself, but really we have to credit her because she essentially broke the ground for the whole modern metaphysical movement. You know, in its heyday, theosophy was very popular. I believe Einstein had kept a, a, a copy of the secret doctrine on his desk. You know, anybody that was sort of a forward thinker at the beginning of the 20th century, most likely was in some way influenced by theosophy. And what it really tried to do was re-energize the ancient mysteries in a modern era, you know, and I think uh, she did it brilliantly. And that book, uh, The Secret Doctrine, is her masterpiece. I happen to like her last, it's a tiny book, her last one, The Voice of the Silence. Uh, yes. that, that's a beautiful book too, one of my, one of my favorites. And um, I, I, I don't know if we're saying that we're trying to directly follow the theosophical tradition, but we're trying to follow in that spirit because that spirit and others like them, Alice Bailey, um, yes. you know, um, um, uh, Max Heindel and, um, you know, Manley Hall, all these people were, were carrying a spiritual torch and we're trying to carry that torch now. So that, I think that's the energy that you were, you were picking up on. I and talked about the energy of this book. I mean, that I, I keep it close there. You're, you have done that. There's something about the energy. It does. It reminds me of Alice Bailey. I think of um, yeah. Madame Blavatsky and others. It's Rudolph very, Steiner. very profound yeah. Yeah. energy and yeah. wisdom in here. Let me see just a second. Let me open up to some of these gorgeous I just wanted to show oh, those are so beautiful. These so are I have so to so beautiful. I love them. I have to talk a moment about them. Yes. So Jonathan Wilshire oh. did illustrations. He's he's wonderful. This was like a dream come true. We were waiting for somebody that could do this. So he he obviously is a masterful artist himself. He worked for years with Flower Newhouse, who was a clairvoyant, actually here at Quest Haven. And so uh, I can't remember if he's started by taking because she had some visions of the other side somehow between the two of them either he would had some ideas and she would embellish or vice versa but he spent a lot of his career trying to depict scenes of the other side so when we hooked up it was it was just perfect you know now look two-dimensional surfaces can never fully capture the feeling of the spirit life you know but what he did so well was you know again we weren't going for in some of our other books, we were going for almost diagrammatic accuracy, like with the aura. This, okay. we didn't want to go there. This, we said, there's no way you're going to be able to be letter perfect in every tiny detail. But we gave him the understanding of what had to be in there. And then he gave it this spiritual life. And uh, it really does give a feeling of, again, what the other side is like. And hopefully it makes you realize, oh, my God, is that you know, I remember some had seen the, the things. It's so specific. Well, why wouldn't it be? Everything here is specific. Why wouldn't the other side be specific? I remember there's a lawyer when we were doing one of the workshops on the other side, and Barb was talking about that, you know, she was in this room on the other side, and there was a big desk, and she was sitting in front of it, and he raised his hand. He said, wait a minute, are there tables and chairs and desks on the other side? You know, because <laughs> I think we have this idea it's dreamland or just nebulous energy you know um the other side has everything this side has and much 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 more Sri Uteswar the teacher of Yogananda when he came back to visit Yogananda and it was talking about his life on the other side 
I love that line. He said, um, the whole physical universe is like a basket hanging on the tree of the astral universe. So right. the other side is far more vast than this one. And we know how vast this side is, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> now, uh, billions and billions of light years. Oh my God. And that's this is a basket compared to the other side. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So do you think, um, speaking of along those lines, do you think that what we believe in our current life is going to inform what we see when we get there? Like, for example, if if somebody's an atheist and they don't believe in anything, do you think they can still see this? Or do you think it's based on consciousness that we're coming out of? Oh, no, no, no. They'll, they'll, you, you can't, uh, um, you know, I know it's funny, people ask a lot about atheists, but we have to understand sometimes what an atheist, if you, if you kind of really drill into an atheist, it's often a specific reaction. Maybe they don't believe in some specific form of religious right. practice and they call that God and that, you know. So, no, no, God loves everybody, you know, and the divine is part of everything and they are divine. And if anything, they will get a wake up call a little bit on this side to realize it does exist. And, you know, it was uh, uh, that they wasted time, you know, going in the wrong direction there. Um, but no, they'll, they'll, they'll experience it as much, you know, we don't, just like we forget a lot of things here, we don't carry all of our memories on the other side. I think that would be very difficult to bear um, right. because it's another life. You know, you're, you're, you're kind of the same person. Don't think you're going to suddenly be this angel when you cross over the other side. I know you have to say that to children sometimes if someone loved one died, oh, they became an angel, but we're, we're pretty much the way we are you know, by the way, which is very important to work out bad habits, because yeah. if you have bad habits here, you can carry them over on the other side. Uh, uh, there was that famous story of Arthur Ford and, uh, oh gosh, who was the other woman? Art Ruth Montgomery. He was the well-known psychic, much older than her. He said, look, when I cross over, I'm going to try to communicate to you from the other side. And they did. And they wrote this little book together. And one time he said, uh, Ruth, I'm going to lovingly chastise you now. Um, I know you like to smoke and I'm going to encourage you to stop. And you remember, I like to drink while I was here, you know, uh, and uh, I'm ashamed to say this, but on the other side, sometimes I find myself hovering around somebody having a heavy binger so I can get the intoxication. So we do want to work out our faults and weaknesses here because it doesn't automatically become easier there. Of course, we're given opportunities to work through them, but, but why wait? You know, take care of it here. We have, don't go to your grave with a grudge. If you hate somebody or you have difficulty, don't, I don't care what they did to you. Just forgive them. Don't carry that beyond the grave. You're yeah. a sure sign you're back to going to be back with them again. <laughs> yes, exactly. I, I do past life regressions, which is why I asked about that, because I had a professed atheist um, who wanted to, it was one of my friend's husbands, kind of wanted to tease me and debunk me. And then, of course, um, had a very profound past life regression that just basically left him speechless, you know, mm -hmm. and I think this is similar to what you're saying, you yeah, know, yeah. they go, whoa, wait a minute maybe things are a lot more expansive than I ever imagined. You know, it's a very interesting thing. Well, everybody's on their journey. And you yes. know, I've learned if you have not had your awakening, don't try to wake somebody up. You can't do right. that. They'll have their own awakening in their time and don't rattle their cage. 
if someone had talked to me about Barbara before my awakening, I, I wouldn't have gotten it. I wouldn't have understood right. it. You know, I may have thought she was a nice lady or something like that, but I, the, you know, all that happened when I was gone. So there, there's always a timing for these things. And yes. the truth is you're not responsible for anybody else. You're responsible for you. What you don't want to do is allow other people to steer you off course. In the early days of the class, Barbara did the classes, she would say, the single biggest reason people would leave them was at the insistence of a spouse. What are you doing? You're spending too much time with that, Barbara. You know? So sometimes our, even our loved ones will try to pull in us in different directions. And you can love them, but be, you know, as, as Shakespeare would say, be true to yourself. And you cannot be false to anyone. And especially when you get the spiritual calling, not everybody around you may understand what you're going through. But that doesn't mean it's not valid and you shouldn't be pursuing it. That's a great point. Absolutely. So tell us about um, any upcoming classes and events yeah, at yeah. your school that people may want to check out. We're going to have the website below that they can click on the link. Oh, thank you so much for doing that. Yeah. Um, well, the, the organization is called Spiritual Arts Institute. And um, spiritualarts.org is the website. So we have workshops, we're gonna have plenty of workshops on, on the new book and things like that, single workshops and events, but sort of the heart of our organization are these training classes. So if you wanna learn how to meditate, we have a program that's called the Seven Spiritual Arts. So actually the books we're writing, each one is one of those arts. So aura is one, healing is another, karma is another, the hierarchy angels is another. The spiritual evolution is another. Our next one is going to be on the spiritual dimensions of the mind. And then uh, we do one very much on the heart center, which is connected to our applying, you know, where truth is not truth till you live it. Uh, we have to live these things that we are learning. There's a whole, not only philosophy, but process connected to that. So those are the seven arts that you can learn and you can do it online. You could do it in person. Uh, your training with, with Barbara and myself and the spiritual arts faculty. And also another thing I love so much about this work is the fellowship. You're surrounding yourself with people that are trying to better themselves, that are trying to walk a spiritual path. And of course, there's something very engaging. And, um, you know, we do our annual retreats. This year, we're doing it in, in San Diego at the, um, near one of the, was a place by the water. Um, and it's just, you know, it's just wonderful just everybody come together, you know, and just share in the fellowship. So we certainly encourage you to go to the website, check out what we're doing. And if something appeals to you, give it a try. Uh, I've been meditating now for 37 years with this divine light meditation technique. And I was so excited when I started it, but I'm even more excited now. And there aren't many things you can say that about after you're doing it 37 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're right yeah meditation is like a special little gift that you have and you can carry it, it anywhere and exactly. no one can see it but exactly. like you said you're the calm in the storm everything's fine yeah it's yeah and you're right it does it gets better and better over the years exactly exactly it's like an art form you know absolutely yeah. well it has been a complete joy friends you've got to check out this book heaven and your spiritual evolution we will have oh, you've the got the galley you've got the galley right now huh yeah. I, can I can I get the oh I should have had it right here I have yeah the, I don't have I've had here, this for a while I gotta get you that one second one second I feel like I gotta. <laughs>
Yeah, you have to see the cover of the book, which we will have a link as well. It's really, really beautiful. Great vibes, great vibes. So there you go. Voila. Oh, goody. Oh, that's so beautiful. Yes, I so saw we'll that. To, we'll have to ask her, uh, ask Sarah to send you one. <laughs> beautiful. I love it. I will treasure it. <laughs> And I just wish you all the best and send Barbara um, love and blessings to Barbara. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It truly is a celebration of her life and her work. Yeah. Thank you again. It's a joy to work with you today. Thank you so much. Okay. All right, friends. We've done it again. Another episode of Healing Arts. So we'll see you next time. Blessings, blessings. Hi there, it's Shelly Care. How are you doing? So I hope you're having a fantastic week. So I wanted to tell you, I am having a free video event and you're invited. So I'll have the links below. It's coming up on Saturday, February 19th, and it's called Discover the Transformative Power of Genealogical Regression. And so we're gonna talk about the actual scientific evidence that shows that working with our ancestors and sending them healing light is important. We'll talk about past life regression. We will talk about my genealogical regression process. And I am going to take you on a, an amazing guided journey where you're gonna be able to come face to face with some of your ancestors and send them love and light. So I hope you can join me. And if you can't be there for the actual event, go ahead and register anyway, because when the event's over, you will receive an email so that you can watch the replay. All right, so I can't wait to see you and I will see you soon. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Healing Arts with Dr. Shelley Care. Visit me online at pastlifelady.com or on YouTube at Past Life Lady or connect with me on Facebook at Past Life Lady.